Well, good morning to everybody. Happy Easter. How are y'all doing this morning? How many of y'all are thankful for the beautiful day God has sent us to... Uh, yeah, that's awesome. So for those of you that are visiting, my name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's my privilege just to welcome you all to Cattle Christian Church. If you, um, <clears throat> if you do not have a church home, you don't have a church family, and you're looking for one, come be part of ours. We want you here, all right? Uh, so uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later on, but uh, today, um, like, like like Donovan and J.K. said, we're starting a brand new series on the prodigal son, which is one of Jesus' most famous stories found in Luke chapter 15. Uh, and so it goes something like this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Man had two sons. How many? Two. Exactly. The younger one, it's, it's always the younger one. It's always. Yeah, and I'm the younger one. I get it. I'm, I'm the youngest brother in my family. The younger one goes up to dad and says, dad, give me my share of the money. Share of the inheritance. I'm not waiting for you to die. I want it now. So the father says, all right, here you go. And like all immature, stupid people, took off to a foreign land where Jesus said he squandered his inheritance in wild living. Like we didn't see that one coming, you know. Money in the hands of an immature young man. Um, Charles Dickens, <clears throat> the author of Christmas Carol and several other uh, famous book said this story, he said, is the greatest short story ever told because there are so many profound themes that reverberate through it. Um, it has a message for you as a person, has a message for you as a family, has a message for the church, it has a message for America. And on this Easter Sunday in 2023, we find ourselves in a very interesting place. Now, I want you to uh, turn, keep in your Bibles, Psalm 33 and Proverbs 14. Just kind of turn there, uh, keep your finger there. If you don't have a print Bible, you can use uh, the YouVersion Bible app that's here. Our, you can find our outline if you go to the drop-down menu, go to events. You can find our outline there. You can follow along with us. <clears throat> Excuse me. But in Psalm 33, verse 12... It says this, blessed is the nation whose God is money. No, doesn't say that, does it? Blessed is the nation whose God is power. No, doesn't say that either. It says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Amen. On this Easter Sunday, it's safe to see that, say that we as a nation are not in the best place. In the last 40, 50 years, we've lost our moral compass. We no longer believe in absolute truth, you all. The Bible is no longer considered to be the absolute truth of God. We now have things in this nation that are purely evil, that as we as a nation say are good. We've forgotten where blessings come from, and we've placed self and greed and immorality on the throne that rightfully belongs to God. Uh, likewise, any nation, any family, any person that honors God God, the Bible says you are blessed, and, and likewise, any nation, family, or person that refuses to honor God will no longer be blessed. And what we're watching with their very eyes right now is the moral breakdown of America, and we've had the most, you know, let's take a look at things. We have the most powerful economy in the world. Well, congratulations. And we have the most powerful military. Well, congratulations. But we're number one in the world in divorce. We're number one in the world in crime and violence. Number one in the world in drug addictions, in pornography, in perversion. We lead the world in suicide, in abortion, 
We're number one in the world in personal debt. We have the largest prison population of any nation. We have more divorces, more car thefts, more murder than any other nation in the world. It is estimated that 89% of pornography, all pornography that is produced, is produced here in America and exported to the world. And I believe that one day I will be in heaven because of what Jesus did on the cross and the resurrection. How many of you all believe that this morning? I'm not worried about that. What I'm truly concerned about is what kind of nation we're leaving to our children or grandchildren. I would rather be financially poor and have my children, my grandchildren walk with the Lord than have all the wealth in the world and have them grow up in a godless society. Guys, the biggest need in America right now is not for lower gas prices, although that would be nice. The, the biggest need in America is not for faster internet, although that would be nice. The greatest need in America right now is for righteousness. That's our biggest need. America is being destroyed not by a foreign power, but by the rot from within. Now, in this story of the prodigal son, I want you to focus on the word inheritance. Everybody say inheritance. Inheritance, okay. Um, French writer Alexis de Tocqueville, after visiting America in 1831, wrote this about us, about the people who came before us. I sought for the greatness of the United States in her commodious harbors, her ample rivers, her fertile fields, her boundless forests, and it was not there. I sought for it in her rich mines, her vast world commerce, her public school system, in her institutions of higher learning, and it was not there. I looked for it in her democratic congress, in her matchless constitution, and it was not there. Not until I went into the churches of America and heard their pulpits flame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. America is great because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, it will cease to be great. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Now Proverbs 14:34 says this, it's righteousness that exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. So righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace. So the prodigal son walks up to his dad and, and, and says, "Give me my inheritance." Now, an inheritance is something you didn't work for, by definition, right? If you receive an inheritance, you did not earn that. You did not work for that. It was given to you by the work of people who went before you. That's what an inheritance is. Okay, his, his son hadn't worked for the money. His ancestors had provided that inheritance for him. It was something passed down, like we said, from people who had gone before. We in America have been handed an inheritance from the people who came before us. We didn't fight England. Anybody here fight England? Anybody around in 1776? If you are, hats off to you. That's impressive. Um, we, we, I didn't fight England for independence. I inherited the fruit of their struggle. And so did you. Luke 15 tells his son went and squandered what his ancestors had worked for in wild living. He didn't earn it, so he didn't value it. He didn't know the poverty that his ancestors had lived under and had worked to get out of. He had never lived that way. He'd only known prosperity and plenty, and he squandered it. We in America have never known tyranny and kangaroo courts 
and secret trials and midnight arrests and people who say the wrong thing being shipped, kidnapped, and sent overseas for trials. That's what our ancestors dealt with under the King of England. We've never known taxation without representation, uh, being forced to host foreign soldiers in our home. Our churches turned into stables. That's what our ancestors dealt with. We've only known freedom and liberty, and we've squandered it through wild living, the things I just named. The biggest need in America right now is for righteousness, because like the prodigal son, we're about to learn some things the hard way. Number one, righteousness exalts a nation. The biggest need in America right now is for righteousness, and, it's, and, and as a nation, as a church, as families, and as people, that is the biggest need right now, living a life in accordance with God's word. And the righteousness is not living in accordance with public opinion. That's not righteousness. Righteousness is not living in accordance with the most recent Supreme Court ruling. That's not righteousness. Righteousness is not living in accordance with what you feel or what is popular or what works for you. That is not what righteousness is. Living a life in accordance with God and God's word, that, is, that means walking a godly path, not on a moral path. That's what righteousness is. And right now our nation is made up of people and families and even churches that are doing whatever they want to do, whatever they feel like doing, <clears throat> squandering our inheritance like the prodigal son. On July 4th, 1776, anybody know what July, happened July 4th, 1776? I was watching some YouTube videos where this person was going around on beaches and people didn't even know, uh, they, they, they thought that the people that fought in the Civil War were like China and England. They thought that we declared, we declared independence from Finland. I'm, 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 not, I'm, I'm serious. Uh, it, it's crazy. So if you don't know what happened on July 4th, 1776, that's when a little document called the Declaration of Independence was signed. We declared independence from England. Now, it was a de declaration of independence from England, but get this, it was also a declaration of dependence on God. Now, a lot of us have heard the, the, pre, the, the uh, beginning of the Declaration of Independence um, that says... Uh, when in the course of human events becomes necessary for people, da da da, dissolve the political bands that join them together, this kind of thing. But do we know how it ends? This is the last line of the Declaration of Independence. With a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge each other our lives, our fortunes, our sacred honor. With, with firm reliance, what does reliance mean? Dependence. So the inheritance that has been passed down to us was a dependence on God. That was our inheritance. Not just independence from England, but dependence on God. Our forefathers were very, very wise. They knew they couldn't make it without God. And we right now are squandering that. See, righteousness and freedom have a strong, collect, strong connection. If righteousness exalts a nation, sin destroys it. See, sin is the destruction of a nation, or a church, or a family, or a person. If righteousness exalts it, then unrighteousness humiliates it. Right? Matthew 7, 13 through 14, Jesus describes the spiritual condition of the prodigal son that we're going to get to in just a second. He says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that, that leads to life, and only a few find it. Jesus himself is saying, listen, people that are squandering your inheritance, you've moved off the narrow road onto the broad road. And it, it seems like there's a lot of people that are finding destruction, and only a few that are on the right road. 
This, and that's the current spiritual state we're in right now because we have squandered our inheritance that was passed down to us by God. And then a few verses later, Jesus says this. He calls us back. He says this, and this is the truth. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. For because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus says, listen, America, American families, American churches, American people, come back to me. Build your house on the rock because the streams and the storms are coming. And unless you want to fall with a great crash, you, you return to me. See how the question, uh, the, the, the people who build their house on the sand, people that are living in rebellion against God's word, I call that the, spirit, the spiritual condition, I call it the pigsty. And that's where we pick up the story of the prodigal son. After he squanders his inheritance in wild living, all of a sudden, Luke 15, verse 14 through 17, follow along with me. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. <clears throat> he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. When you squander your inheritance that's been that you did not work for, that was passed down to you, your spiritual heritage, your, 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 heritage, your, your inheritance, when you reject God in his ways, you enter the spiritual condition known as the pigsty. How bad do things have to get before we, as the scripture says, come to our senses. Just how bad does it have to get, people? How bad does your life have to get? How bad does your family have to get? How bad does the news have to get before we come to our senses? How long will we remain in the pigsty? The story here tells us he was feeding pigs. I want to ask a question. Has anyone here worked a hog farm? Anyone ever worked a pig farm? Okay, would you care to tell us how bad it smells? If, if, if you go down the road just a few miles, there is a farm, I kid you not, called Double Stink Hog Farm. Lord help the people living downwind of that. I, I hear that you can get a great deal on a house that's downwind of that. Okay, if you've ever been around a pig farm, it is the most disgusting smell it's called double stink for a reason, y'all. And this is where he was. Where had he been? He'd been in his father's home. He'd been living under blessing. He was the heir to a fortune. And now he was in a pigsty. Smelly. Awful. All right? Whenever you rebel against God, you guys, you'll find yourself eventually in the pigsty. Now here's an observation. The second, the, the second he left home, the second he left home, even though he was loaded down with Pop's money, he was in the pigsty. Okay? The pigsty didn't happen when he lost it all, when he started starving. No, he entered the pigsty the moment he left the house. How long do you think it took him to spend it all? Well, if he had a lot of money, it may have been years. It may have taken years for him to squander it all. And in those years, he may have been living it up, y'all. Just because things are going well for you doesn't mean you're not in the pigsty. 
You're heading towards it. Now, uh, like I said, it may have been years. Here's the point. You may be in that spiritual condition right now, and life is going okay for you. Listen to that. But you're still lost. You're still lost, even if it hasn't hit you yet. I mean, he could have at any point watched his finances, see that it's going down, and said, well, I, 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 need, I need to quit this. I need to go back. But he didn't. And unfortunately, most of us will be like the prodigal son and persist in rebellion until we simply have no more option. So the question is, how long will we stay in the pigsty? The only person to put us there is us. God didn't put us there. The prodigal son's father didn't tell his son to go to the pigsty. No, he went there by himself. In the same way, America as a nation, our churches, our families, us, if we're in the pigsty, it's there because of us, because of our decisions, because of our rebellion, because of our own stubbornness. And the only thing that is keeping us there is our own stubbornness. That's it. We are the reason we're in the pigsty. We can sit around and blame people around us. We're, a lot of people are real good at that. But I found that if you're good at blaming people, you're not good at anything else. I found that. We can blame our parents, blame our pastors, blame our exes. We can blame society. We can blame, blame, blame for the where we are right now. Until we look in the mirror and see that we are the reason we're in the pigsty. We'll stay there. So how long will we stay there? Well, guys, rebellion against God is a pigsty. How long will you live in rebellion against God? I guess, question, what's rebellion against God gotten you? Probably not much. Um, anger is a pigsty. Some of you guys right now are living in anger. You've gone there by yourself. Somebody may have upset you, but you're staying in the pigsty because you're angry and you won't forgive. What's that anger gotten you, honestly? How has it benefited you? It's killing you. And you're starving spiritually. You are in the pigsty. How long will you stay there? Sexual sin is a pigsty. No one sent you there. You sent yourself there. Okay? And the Bible's very clear. Probably one of the biggest issues in America right now is sexual sin. And to, to people that are struggling with sexual sin right now, especially with identity, especially people that are struggling with transgenderism, I have some truth for you. God did not make a mistake when he made you. He made you male and female. He made you that way. He didn't make any mistakes. Don't listen to the world that says that you were born in the wrong body or that you have a different identity. You don't. God loves you. He created you in his image, and he created you as you are for this time because he doesn't make mistakes. Okay? Stop believing the lies. Get out of the pigsty. Don't stay there. Selfishness, you guys is also a pigsty. The belief that me, 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 that my wants, my needs, my desires are the most important things in the world and then trump everything else, that is a pigsty. It's a cause of every conflict from the smallest argument on the kindergarten, uh, in the kindergarten playground to world wars is selfishness. It's a pigsty. What's it gotten you? How many of y'all know people in your life that are selfish? You like being around them? Not really. Not really. What selfish has gotten you? Nothing. Gossip and slander. That's a pigsty. Some of us are living in gossip and slander right now. It's a pigsty. Debt is a pigsty. We got ourselves into debt, guys. 
our spending, our lack of discipline in spending. We can't blame anybody else. Debt is a pigsty, and it's robbing you of the life that God wants you to, wants you to have until you decide, until, until you come to your senses. You're going to be in that pigsty. If you're not in God's will, guys, you're in a pigsty. The question is, how long will you stay there and starve? And that took the prodigal son a long time. See, people, we've got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I hope that there are people in here today and listening online who are sick and tired of being sick and tired. The reason I'm here, the reason you're here today in church on Easter Sunday isn't because this is the day everybody goes to church. No, you're here because you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. That you've looked at yourself, you you looked around, and you squandered your inheritance, and you're in the pigsty, and you just don't know if there's a way out. Well, that's what finally motivated him. He got sick and tired of being sick and tired. The entire, entire time he could have been living under the blessing of God, of his father's house. All this time he could have been well-fed. All this time he could have been part of a family. All this time he could have been around people who genuinely loved him instead of the fake friends that he ran into when they saw he had money. And he realizes this and says, what am I doing here? Then he asks, what do I do next? He needed a path home. And that's where this story just gets so beautiful, y'all. He said, when I left, he said, I can see the wheels turning. When I left my home, was it a one-way ticket? Did that gate, did that close permanently? Can I even walk back? What will happen? Will I get the condescending stares of my neighbors? They all know where I went. Can I, is there a path back for me? I'm in the pigsty. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm done. I'm destitute. And I've blown half the old man's money. Is there a way back for me? That's when we realize the beauty of Easter. We've never needed Easter Sunday more than we do right now. You room full of rebellious, loved prodigals. John 10, 7 through 15, Jesus tells what he thinks about people like you and me. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. We've certainly run into them, haven't we? But the sheep, but the sheep have not listened to them. Verse 9, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come and may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired man is not the shepherd, does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he runs away. He abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. How many of y'all have run into people that don't care about you? And when troubled times happen, boom, they're gone. Yeah? Well, Jesus is saying, I'm different than that. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay my life down for the sheep. Easter was the pathway out of the pigsty. Okay? The cross is the path, and Easter blew that gate wide open for the prodigal to go back home. We've never needed Easter more than we need right now. And the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus was the reason that the prodigal son and all prodigals can go back home. And many think the story ends there. Like, yay, Rod, that's awesome. What a great truth, amazing. Let's go to the house. 
<clears throat> no, there's a problem in this room right now. There's a major problem, and it's been here every Easter. One of the things I've noticed, guys, just being a pastor and, and working with people for the last 24 years now, and it's, it seems to be increasing in frequency, is that when a person feels guilt, like when you've squandered your inheritance on wild living, and you got to go back and face dad, when you feel guilt, a lot of times people hide. I, I, next Sunday, let's say, that, let's say that today you borrow 100 bucks from a friend. Turn to the next person, hey, turn to the person next to you and say, hey, can I have 100 bucks? <laughs> and the person next to you says, sure, just pay me back next Sunday. Next Sunday, when you don't have the 100 bucks, we know what's going to happen. You won't be here. You'll be sick. You'll be traveling. You won't come anywhere near the person that you owe money to. The last person you want to see is the person you owe money to. I have a great cure for bullying in school. You want to know what it is? Tell the bullied kids to loan the bullies 50 bucks. The bullies will run. They will never touch that bullied kitty. They will, they will, they, they see the bullied, they see the person they owe money to, they will run. Problem solved. I should market that and sell it to public schools. <laughs> That's like the greatest way. Like, like comedian Tim Wilson said, let people borrow money and they'll leave you alone. Yeah, they will. You got a relative you don't like? Man, loan them money. You'll never see him again. Gone. Problem solved. I think as America moves away from God, we're also moving away from grace as we become a more judgmental culture, and we are. There's very little forgiveness and grace in America today. The church may be the only place left where forgiveness is available, and it's the norm. I think people are expecting judgment, so they hide. Hide from people, they hide from the church, they hide from God. It's highly possible if the prodigal son story had happened in 2023, the prodigal wouldn't have gone home. He never would have, he would have just stayed in hiding. So the question isn't just how long will we stay in the pigsty, the question is, will you go home? Easter opened the path out of the pigsty back home, but will we take it, y'all? Jesus is very clear what kind of reception you'll get if you choose to go back home. Look at what verses 18 through 24 say. Prodigal son says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. He went where? He go back to the field? He go back to the homestead? No, where'd he go back? To his father, exactly. Okay, remember that. Well, he was still a long way off. Father saw him and was filled with compassion to him for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Notice he only got about halfway through the speech. Okay? But his father isn't listening. Father said to the servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He is lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. That's what kind of reception you get when you come back to your father, when you come back home after squandering your inheritance, experiencing the pigsty. If you choose to come back to God, that's the reception you get every time. See, the prodigal son has courage to do what many of us don't. Many of us won't experience that because we're hiding. 
There are four things that the prodigal son goes through. He, there's, and you guys can write that, four R's. It's in your notes. Realization, repentance, realignment, and return. The first thing he does is he realizes, okay? He realizes his true state. That's a, what a lot of people in America haven't done yet. They're still making excuses, still trying to look for a, a quick fix. Trying to, they haven't realized their true state before God yet. Right? He realizes he's starving. He realizes that he and he alone is responsible for his situation. He has quit with the rationalizations. He's quit with the justifications. He's quit the blaming. He's quit the victimhood. He's realized his true state. And that is step one to returning to Father. He looks at his mirror and says, My fault. I got no one to blame but myself. Are you there yet, y'all? Is your family there yet? Is our church there yet? Is America there yet? He said, I don't need a fix. I don't need a new strategy. I don't need a new few more dollars. I don't need another excuse. I'm starving, and it's my fault. He realizes his true state. Until you have that moment of realization, you'll always be blaming the next person, always make reasons, excuses. Remember, people that are good at making excuses are rarely good at anything else. The sooner you realize, the sooner you can move to the second step. He repents. Realization and repentance. He says this, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. What powerful words. You know, I don't think I've ever heard someone say that. I've been a pastor for 24 years. I've been a Christian for 32 years now. And I don't think I've ever heard someone say I've sinned against heaven and against you. Will you forgive me? I don't think I've ever heard those words. Church rarely talks about repentance anymore. See, repentance is also known as godly sorrow. That's what it is. Uh, he, he says you know, regret is feeling sorry for what you've done, but repentance is feeling sorry enough to change. He's also willing to accept the consequences. When you're truly repentant, you don't approach God or the person with conditions or suggestions. Uh, he, he, he says this, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I realize my actions may have completely, I, I, it may cost me my place in the family. I understand that. Uh, I, I have no claims, no rights to plead. Uh, I, 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 whatever you decide, I'm good with because I did this to myself. I'd be fine with simply being a servant, Dad. I know that I'm the cause of my problems, and whatever happens, I deserve it. He doesn't go back and make excuses. He doesn't walk up to Dad and say, well, you know, if you'd have been more fair, you always liked my brother better than me. No, he doesn't say that. He doesn't even say, well, you should have stopped me. You knew what was going to happen. You should have stopped me. He doesn't say that. And more, more than anything, he doesn't say this. Just be glad I'm back, pops. By the way, I got some requirements, some changes that you need to make in order for me to stay here. If you want me to stay, some conditions that you need to meet. I see people coming to God with that attitude all the time. Well, God... I like this part of your word, but you know, this part I'm not so hot on. If you just kind of edit that part out, you'll be lucky to have me in your church. 
I've seen people come to God like that. Now, if you want me to follow you, God, I got some changes I think you should make. No, that's not repentance. If you have that attitude, you're still in the pigsty. So he realizes, then he repents. And the third thing, he realigns. He realigns. The Bible says, so he got up and went to his father. Now, notice Jesus doesn't say he goes home. He doesn't, he doesn't go back to his, to his homestead. He goes back to his father. Big difference. He wasn't interested in a physical location, you all. He wasn't interested in the field he played in as a kid. He wasn't interested in the old homestead, the old room he grew up in, and the good times that he knew he was going to have. He wasn't interested in any of that. He was only interested in one thing, a relational restoration with his father that he, by his actions, had destroyed. What a beautiful thing. This is the first time I think the prodigal son ever loved his dad for who his dad was, not for what his dad could give him. I think this is the first time. And maybe he had to go to the pigsty to learn that. Have you all learned that yet? Have you all ever approached God not because of what he can give you, but simply because of who he is? See, that's when you know you're a believer in Christ. That's when you know you've gotten it. You don't come to church because, hey, they've got a great children's ministry for my kids. I, 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 I don't, I'm, not, I'm not coming to church because I like the music or, or because I like the, the, the people there. No, no, I, I want to be part of a church because I love God. And that's it. Everything else, nothing else matters. It's just I'm here because for the first time in my life, I actually realize I love God for who he is and not for what he can give me. Guys, he was only interested in that one thing. He realized the goodness of his father. He realized how much his father truly loved him because he'd been around people who didn't love him. How many of you all have been around people who don't love you, who don't have your best interests at heart, who are using you, who see you as a resource, and once that resource is done, they're gone. Yeah? We've all been around people like that. Prodigal son fell in among those. He walked away from the one person that loved him, and he went to the people that didn't, and he found out exactly what love was. He realized he destroyed the one relationship with the one person that had always had his back, and he realized that he loved his father, and his father loved him. And that's all he wanted back, nothing else. And when we come to Jesus, when we come to the Lord with nothing else other than just we love you and we realize that you love us, that's when we realign. We realize, we repent, we realign with God's goodness. All right? And then the fourth thing, he returns. He gets up and he walks out of the pigsty. On the road paved by the cross, and through the gate thrown open by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when he does, he experiences grace, redemption, and a restoration of the broken relationship that he had been longing for. And all of that is available to you as a person today. And all of that is available to your family. And all of that is available to us as a church And all of that is available to us as a nation. God shows us how it's done right here. The question is, will you quit hiding? Will you quit hiding? How long 
will you stay in the pigsty? Because if you're not living in accordance with God's will, that's where you are. You're in the pigsty. Just go back to your father because of Easter Sunday. Now that's possible. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, as we, uh, as we end our time together, Lord, what a beautiful message the prodigal son is. Uh, thank you for giving it to us. Thank you for showing us your heart. Lord, I pray for every person in here, and I pray for us as a nation, a church, as families, Lord, that we would simply walk out of the pigsty. And Lord, that we would surrender ourselves to you, that we would realize, we'd repent, we'd realign, we'd return. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for the message of the cross, the message of the resurrection, which is so powerful today. We love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you, and we'll see you next Sunday. Go in peace.